the Finance Trends and Disruptions podcast, powered by Stampley. Disruption, innovation, myth versus reality. The truth, featuring the voice of the office of the CFO, Ernie Humphrey. Hello, everyone. I'm Ernie Humphrey, the Vice President of Thought Leadership at Stampley. I'm thrilled to welcome everyone to the Finance Trends and Disruption podcast. I am humbled and honored to have John Kogan, Director of Finance Performance Improvement at Armonino and the founder and chairman of Illumio. John has been a CFO at five companies and a COO at two, a finance executive at Cardinal Health and held numerous finance and accounting roles at Allied Signals and Cisco Systems. John's passion has been professional development for himself and his team since his first job, and he has pioneered and led organization-wide learning at a number of companies, large and small. He has founded and invested in and been a board member or advisor of a number of companies and nonprofits. John volunteers his time at a variety of nonprofit organizations. John has an MBA from the Fuqua School of Business at Duke and, like myself, has a degree in economics, but his is from Connecticut College. John and I work together to build the largest community for senior-level financial professionals at Performative. John and I worked together to build a community from scratch to over 30,000 active members before John took his passion for serving the finance professionals to the next level in building Illumio, the strategic professional development partner for accounting and corporate finance organizations. The Illumium platform provides full cycle professional development from determining each employee's competitiveness and competitive gaps to aligning those with company benchmarks and filling gaps with both live and on-demand training from a great content library available to these functions on a global basis. I'm very excited to have John as a guest for our episode today, Back to the Future, a noise-free finance community. John, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thanks so much for having me, Ernie. So I've invited John here for us to do a little trip down memory lane and to get his insights regarding my endeavor to build a new and improved online community for senior level finance professionals and also to tap into John's great knowledge into what it takes to be a successful CFO in a new normal and how an online community for senior light executives might help in that endeavor. John, I know I know this, but I'd love for you to share with the, our, our listeners here today a little bit about what inspired you to found Performative. Uh, Performative grew out of a uh, real world set of situations that I found myself in. I was uh, CFO of a venture backed company in Silicon Valley uh, way back in the day. And I also happened to be an avid motorcyclist at the time. And as a motorcyclist, um, I was part of a Yahoo group for other motorcyclists in the Bay Area. Uh, We would just set up weekend rides and casual things like that. But it was also a great way to share knowledge. How do you fix your bike or things? things like that. And I found it a, a very practical tool for direct interaction and, and uh, knowledge acquisition. So I, I kind of combined those, the, the old Reese's peanut butter thing where the chocolate gets in the peanut butter by accident, but this was on purpose, and built a Yahoo group with permission from uh, the venture capital company uh, that I was uh, a part of a company of at the time. And um, we got, you know, 60, 80 plus CFOs into this online group. Now that worked extremely well and great communication, lots of help for one another. 
And um, when I sold that company that I was CFO of uh, and was looking for the next thing to do, social was really just becoming a thing on the internet, sad to say. And um, we thought, why not pull together a, an online community of corporate finance folks? And, uh, you know, there was born the idea for performative. Great. Thanks so much, John. So, John, obviously, there were many things that helped make Performative a success, and I'm really proud uh, of what we accomplished together. Can you share with us a few of the most important things that really drove the community growth and success with us? Um, well, part of it was certainly uh, having Ernie Humphrey with us there. That was extremely helpful. <laughs> um, by and large, though, I think it, it was our vision for what it could be, uh, which was a truly noise-free, knowledge-sharing community uh, where folks um, just helped one another get things done and learn in order to get things done. Uh, so from the beginning, it was well, commercial free for lack of a better term. Um, we didn't sell the users. We didn't have advertising on the site. Um, we, we did run um, sponsored webinar programs, but it was just a great place to go without having to worry about is someone going to call me up afterwards. And we kept it um, assiduously noise free. So uh, we spent a lot of time moderating, uh, you know, making sure nobody was doing self promotion or trying to sell things. Uh, and kept it entirely focused on the content. And I think that really resonated with folks, just the ability to have real discussions about, you know, the seemingly mundane, if we're all in finance, accounting, treasury, et cetera, that's not necessarily sexy stuff, but we need to learn it, we enjoy learning it, uh, and without all of the annoyance of being sold or marketed to. Um, so that was really, I think, a key to uh, driving this and just having that vision of people helping people. We stayed true to that, you know, to the final days um, when we ended up selling performative. But. If you could go back in, in, in time and, and go back uh, with, with what you know now, of course, what advice would you give you and me to make perform the community more, even more successful than it was? Uh, well, I think one thing we learned that took a little while was having um, experts within each sub-community to kind of be the drivers of those sub-communities was extremely helpful um, because then, you know, there was a person there who knew what was going on, knew the top contributors uh, and could, um, you know, establish discussions, keep discussions flowing, uh, moderate, you know, all the things that I think modern social platforms like Reddit and others have figured out. You know, we were just learning at the time and there wasn't a lot to copy back then. So I think we probably could have driven even more growth and interaction had we, um, you know, used today's social interaction tools combined with our noise-free, high-quality content ethos. I think that would have really accelerated things, not just in terms of growth for the company, but in terms of utility for the people who joined and took advantage. Yeah, thanks, John. So as I've been mulling over building this community again and trying to do it better and, and selling it really to my colleagues and also some of my senior level folks in my network, I've, I, I tried to go back and think, how did we build credibility? Because obviously that's so hard to do. What are a couple of things that you think really helped us get people to say, okay, this is worth it. I'm going to give this a try. Can you help me out with that? Because I, I really haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, well, part of it was the fact that you and I both had functional backgrounds that right. fit. Um, you know, there's no doubt that when you come into this, you know, for with your treasury background, with my finance background, 
that people saw that the folks who were running this thing mm-hmm. weren't like advertising executives from some random right. company, that it was being driven by people who probably were aligned with the users and would uh, generate noise-free, high-quality discussion. So I think that helps. Uh, and then, of course, there's no substitute for just doing. I mean, the promise was noise-free, high-quality interaction. And day after day and month after month, that's what we delivered. We didn't let anyone, uh, you know, wreck that for us uh, or for the users. And then, you know, word of mouth started to spread. um, And that's really invaluable. So, I think there's a a bit of you got to prove it to people and we did prove it and we spent the time doing it and once the reputation is built um you know that's when you start seeing real user acquisition and and as you recall we had some just incredible user acquisition there yeah that's great the other thing to kind of dovetail on that i need to give some kudos uh to your co-founder greg stout our cto i mean you really built that functionality out on our own and we were really adaptive and always trying new things and listening to users and we had evangelists and so i think we made that investment as well to to keep our ear to the ground and see what was new and try things out and not be afraid if something didn't work let's pivot away from that and show folks that we're uh, really listening so as as we both moved on from, from performative i was always waiting right there there i always thought there was a void here you know who's going to come and fill the void and so uh, why do you think that that this void has really stayed open and no one has really kind of stepped into that yet? You know, I think that um, at the end of the day, you do have to, commerce has to meet um, okay. the desire for the community. And um, the broad web, of course, uses advertising uh, as the means of paying for things. If you look at, I mentioned Reddit before, and, you know, umpteen other social platforms, they tend to be advertising driven. And I think um, there's a fundamental challenge with reaching the office of the CFO with advertising. There aren't enough bodies in many ways um, to make just pure advertising work. So there has to be a different angle. If you recall at Performative, we did sponsored webinars and they were super noise free. I mean, nobody was ever allowed to sell um, or self-promote on a webinar, but there was a little 30 second blurb up front and that worked and we were able to have our totally noise-free uh, online community and it was paid for by others uh, along the way and I found that was highly complimentary and that worked and I think um, that it's uh, you know no one else has come along and delivered the noise-free high-quality environment and we're right. able to figure out the economics of all of it so I think that's been the big challenge right great yeah so as you know myself I've kind of taken the webinar piece and taken that on and and figured out how to fuel my passion that way, but I haven't really taken the challenge of that community. And now, um, now at Stamply, I have that opportunity. They have that commitment and they get the the real meaning of the community and the community in and of itself uh, is not to really fund anything. It's to be a resource and serve the office of the CFO, which is something that's incredibly hard to find. So we'll, so we'll talk about how things have been unfolding the last couple months in a moment or so, but I like to call that uh, the next normal So I've seen a lot of things change and I want to know, do you feel that CFOs may be more receptive to re-engaging in this type of community as we've all gone in this remote environment? Do you think there's even maybe even more of an appetite now? 
Oh, I, I think there absolutely would be and should be. First off, it's uh, you, you can't just yell to the cube next door or walk to the office down the hall. Uh, so I, I think people are uh, becoming rapidly more adept and used to um, online means of knowledge acquisition. Uh, so, of course, this would play right into that. Um, I think this new normal is going to change a lot of behaviors, and we actually were building that those behaviors very successfully at Performative before this sale in 2016. And, you know, we saw that there was demand for it even back then when we were in a much more live, interactive, you know, in-person kind of environment. Uh, I would think it's only, um, you know, more, there's only more call for that right now. So I think the timing could be excellent. Okay, great. So, John, um, let's pivot away from my from my thing of developing this new finance community, which I think we both agree um, is incredibly valuable, and I don't. I think no one would know that better than us. In all honesty, uh, so, so let's focus on challenges um, for CFOs and your and what you're doing, the great work you're starting to do there at your uh, new in your new role. So, I'm going to go back uh, pre. Uh, pre-COVID, and then we'll go post-COVID. So if I were to ask you, when you were first starting your new role, what would you say were the three most important things for CFOs to master to deliver value back in December, coming Um, up in 2020? Yeah. Yeah, that is a really challenging question. <laughs> and I know you got me that question beforehand. I, I, even with a little prep, it's a toughie. Um, number one, and this is actually kind of challenging to learn on your own, is uh, an understanding of business, capital B business. Um, where finance provides the greatest value is when it genuinely understands how its business works and how it fits within um, the broader um, ecosystem that it, it, that business happens to live in. And that means really knowing quite a bit about um, products and marketing and sales and operations and distribution and all of these other things, which we were never trained for, right? You can go and get a, yeah. uh, a finance degree and go to a great business school. And maybe you took a, a class or two on each of those things, but you have to really know it. And you have to know it not quite as well as your business partners, your internal clients, but extremely well. And when you get to that point, that's when you're doing just an incredible amount of good for your company because the promise of finance is helping those internal clients be a success in their jobs. Okay. Finance as itself, it almost doesn't even have a reason to exist if it's not helping another part of the business do its thing better. So getting to that place, I find to be job number one. Okay, for finance, like the absolute best. And I've been incredibly fortunate. I worked at Allied Signal where Larry Bossidy, the famous uh, former head of GE Finance, uh, you know, came to to run um, after he was uh, done working at GE with Jack Welch. And I worked at Cisco Systems under Larry Carter, who is probably the most famous CFO of Silicon Valley's history. I mean, I've seen this work. uh, And when it's working for the business, finance sends everything forward. So if you can really get into, you know, uh, the shoes of your business partners and figure out how to help them, that's job number one. Job number two is, well, how do you get there? You know, what are the 
tools of the trade? How do you understand finance as a function and everything that finance should do for all of its internal clients? Um, and that really is studying finance and understanding that, you know, no offense to my accounting brethren, but gap <laughs> financials are useless for running a company. They literally don't do anything for almost anyone, even as a basic scorecard, other than seeing the cash on the balance sheet. Um, it doesn't tell you anything about your company. It doesn't tell you how successful you were at selling last month, and it doesn't tell you what's going to win in your marketplace three quarters down. And so you have to, um, you really have to understand what the tools of your trade are that help you provide knowledge to your business clients, that help I was talking about before. Um, like, what's the yield on our salespeople? And, you know, what are our expected returns on investment for uh, opening up new storefronts or by, you know, tripling our investment in Google ads, etc. Um, you know, that's, those are all tools for finance. Um, and folks who are there just basically providing, um, you know, the current month's um, gap financials and some basic analysis or commentary, uh, they're just missing the boat. Um, so you got to have that. And then the third piece um, is really leadership and management. So for CFOs, for instance, and other senior professionals, it's understanding how to leverage everyone's knowledge and expertise to get the union of everyone's capability, not the intersection, okay, going back to statistics here, but the union, you, you want all of it together. Now, how do you make your organization as powerful as it can possibly be? So those are three things for you, Ernie, um, and uh, I think those are, are pretty important. Wow. Well, yeah, that's probably what you just said in about three or four minutes. That's probably what I'll uh, use to promote my podcast for the rest of my life. And, 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 <laughs> and, and so as you were talking, uh, I guess I, I always knew it, but I realized how much I learned from you, but how much I learned from our community, because what I've really been talking about for the last couple of years is the evolution of the CFO, which I don't like the word. You have to impact performance across the enterprise. You have to learn how to be a business partner, understand the drivers of success across all the departments, and then empower those people with the technology and language and communication uh, to make that happen. And so that's really um you know, people that follow me have seen that that that's really um, what I've been talking about. And um, John, you and I talked about this, the trusted advisor. I think in my mind, the evolution was always uh, in theory, but I think technology has finally caught up with us, right? And going into the cloud, we can have visibility into what's going on, the processes, we can share information, we can collaborate, communicate in real time. And now we're empowered to make our vision come to life in terms of impacted performance across the enterprise. So thank you so much. So, so let me ask you this, uh, have, have, have those, and I, I think I know the answer and might be no, but have those priorities changed over the past few months, given what's going on, or is there a different spin on those uh, that you see people need to take as we're in this totally remote environment, managing our employees and collaborating with our peers? Well, you know, uh, there's a lot less margin for error right now for everyone. So I think finance has to be at its absolute sharpest, you know, doing hard things. Uh, I always say that the CFO is the rock of any organization. Uh, you know, the CEO is out there and they're giving interviews and talking to clients and a lot of fun stuff. And then the CFO and the finance organization are back looking at the dollars and cents of everything, helping make hard decisions based on data. 
and um, you know that kind of backbone and um, and need to uh, rely on good data is probably you know needed more in this kind of environment than any other, and certainly helped many companies get through the dot com crash and the OH uh, recession, et cetera. So uh, finance is in a really um, even more important than ever position right now. I think you're right. They've been enabled to do more things based on technology than ever before. But our job is to be sort of the truth teller to uh, companies. And, um, you know, we need to take that job very seriously. And it's painful because, you know, sometimes that leads to things that people aren't happy about, uh, whether it's reductions in force or cutbacks or just changing almost anything. People don't like change fundamentally. And and finance, uh, you know, we're agents of change, um, even in good times. So uh, you just have to, you know, find your backbone, have the courage of your convictions that you're doing the right thing long term for the company, um, which, by the way, is the right thing long term for the largest number of employees, uh, and help your company get through these tough times. Okay. Uh, thanks, John. So let's just um, put a fine point on things um, before we wrap things up for our episode today. So along the same lines of what we've been just been talking about, I've been promoting this idea of the social CFO, right? You have to get out from outside your desk. You have to engage, right? Your peers, not only across departments, but in terms of your, you need to, get, you need to invest in knowing your own team. And so a lot of the CFOs out there, they're a little bit hesitant and so are there a couple things that you can give specific pieces of advice? And so CFOs ask me, what do I do? You know, this isn't who I am. If you could just give us a couple tidbits or pieces of advice, I think that would be a, a great way to help us tie things up today. Sure. Um, uh, one thing that I've become more comfortable with as I've gotten older here is embracing what I don't know. And uh, the fact that there are tons of other people who are smarter than I am and to um, go to them as teachers. Uh, people love to teach. Um, it, it's, I mean, they genuinely love it. It's not you know, asking someone for advice and insight is a lot different than asking them to like borrow their car <laughs> or can you give me some, <laughs> you know, 20 bucks. They really enjoy giving knowledge. It makes them feel good in a whole bunch of ways. And I've just become a lot less hesitant to ask. I don't, I don't care what it makes me look like. I'm just, you know, trying to acquire knowledge. Um, and that allows you to approach your peers who are very busy, very intelligent folks. And you might have thought, oh, they're too busy uh, to answer these questions, but I do it without fear um, and with the understanding that I'm going to use that knowledge to make their life better. So you have to be unafraid of your own lack of knowledge or showing that to other people because the benefit is that you build a bridge and that becomes a, a long-term relationship. And, you know, you, as I said earlier, without serving your internal clients, why does finance exist? So this helps you, you know, get on that path. And then, um, for when it comes to your team, it, it, I actually use a very similar approach. Uh, so with my teams at Armenino, it's not, I know better than you. It's how can we do something great together? Um, what do you know that we can add to the overall knowledge um, let's be unafraid to have an open debate 
And once you depersonalize things, it's just very easy to share knowledge and everything good comes to the, the forefront. And, um, you know, people like working in environments like that, and they're far more productive than fear-based or dominated by a particular individual. So, uh, you know, those are things that I, I've just tried to bring to, you know, my leadership and management game and, and they help, uh, you know, help me be more effective. Uh, uh, thank you so much. So uh, before we wrap things up, I just want to let uh, everyone know that if, if you are a CFO and you really want to learn how to make this happen, right, impact performance across the enterprise, uh, please reach out to me. I'd be happy to connect you with John. He's doing some great work um, in his new role, and I can think of nobody better uh, that I would hire um, if I were in your position. And then I look forward uh, to working with John in building this online community again because I'm drafting him right now. You're my number one draft pick. So congratulations. Uh, so, John, thank you so much again for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. I sincerely appreciate it, my friend. My pleasure, Ernie. Thanks for having me. Thank you for attending this episode of the Finance Trends and Disruptions podcast. I encourage you to visit www.stampley.com to consume more thought leadership resources to help fuel your career success. Make the rest of your day great, everyone. The truth matters.